What is going on, everyone? This is Connor, the co-host with the most. Welcome to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. I was off last week, but I'm happy to be back here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in this episode regarding the NFL franchise tag deadline. Um, there's a lot of big decisions that need to be made by teams before 4 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow as to who's going to get tagged and who's not going to be, which will be a nice segue into our free agency episode next week. Um, but in addition to that, we also have some pretty big news regarding a certain player that you guys might have heard about during the NFL season and um, pretty controversial, pretty crazy news that came out today. So we're going to get to that as well. Hope you guys enjoy. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, everybody? Zach here. Happy to be here. And yeah, let's let's get on it. All right. So we are going to go around the shield after uh, a lengthy and good basketball episode last week from Zach and Eric. But obviously, we're going to start with the big breaking news that which I was honestly not prepared to talk about until today because (laughs) um, I wasn't expecting to talk about this. But during late October in the NFL season, Calvin Ridley, he stepped away from the Atlanta Falcons. He cited mental issues. You know, he just wanted to, you know, just kind of like a Simone Biles sort of situation in a way, like just want to, you know, get his head right, take some time off um, and then return to football when everything was right. He ended up sitting out the rest of the season, which um, probably to some people came as a little bit of a surprise. I think some people thought he would come back after a few weeks um, once he got everything situated, but he did end up sitting out the whole season. But now the big news that came out today, Calvin Ridley has been suspended indefinitely minimum of one season for sports gambling. Uh, apparently there was a stretch in kind of middle to late November after he had left the team where he bet on some games, which some of them did include the Atlanta Falcons and the NFL and pretty well every other major sport. Um, they're really, really strict about this whole gambling thing. You can't do it while you're under contract. So um, minimum one year suspension for Calvin Ridley, only the fifth player in NFL history to ever be suspended for gambling. Now, the part about this for me that, you know, is going to lead into the discussion is Obviously, this is a no-no. Like, we don't want players to be gambling, especially if they're playing. Like, I know Pete Rose got in a lot of trouble for that in baseball when he got banned for life because he was betting on games that he, not only that he played in, but games that he managed as well. Um, So that's a big no-no. But it's just crazy to me that, you know, you're looking at what's been going on here. He got a year-long suspension for this, and... You know, first of all, the NFL is really big in promoting sports gambling these days. You know, I've got if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I've got the Caesar Sportsbook picture here with Caesar and his phone. You know, there was commercials for that all over the place. There's always commercials for DraftKings and FanDuel, like lots of gambling advertising going on. So it's like you're going to advertise all this to everyone. And then Calvin Ridley is going to get a whole indefinite suspension minimum of a year. And it just seems like a little bit excessive to me. I don't know what you think about this, Zach, but in my mind, I think it's like, I definitely think like maybe a full season is probably it, but I think the indefinite suspension in my mind is just taking it a little bit too far. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I, I actually disagree with you. I think this is a justifiable punishment. It's one of these things where it's, this is severe, severe stuff. This is like 
to compare it to something outside of sports, possibly like insider trading, you know, mm-hmm. politicians and CEOs and stuff, you know, it's and granted, I don't think Calvin Ridley, you know, made a life's fortune from gambling. And like you said, this he wasn't playing and it's not like, I don't think he had a super big impact on it, but the optics of it are terrible, especially now that it's legal everywhere and there's a lot of states that are you know that have sports books and all the i mean with all the money and everything going around the nfl like yes they're promoting it there's stadiums that are named with you know sponsors like DraftKings, caesars that sort of stuff um but and that's why i think it's a bigger deal is because this isn't gambling is no longer like just reserved for las vegas or you know, an illegal under the table activity that people do. Like this is a big deal now. Like every, lots of people have access to it. Lots of people participate in it. So for the NFL to sustain this, you know, legally, you can't have players. And also too, what they've said is, you know, making an example of this. I think that this is exactly what it's intended to do. If, if you give a guy a six game suspension, for gambling he's still gonna get his contract after that six games is up i know his contract is also voided um for this season so he's not going to make any money so it this is a severe thing that i think you have to do not only to punish the player but to punish future people from also participating in it yeah yeah my it seems i i like your uh explanation there definitely makes it seem a bit more justified so but now the question becomes in my mind really so this has been a topic that's really been coming up on twitter a lot now you know the nfl and its justice system has always come under scrutiny for different things but you know now a lot of people have begged the question okay so calvin ridley gets you know indefinite suspension one year minimum one year ban for sports gambling obviously zach just explained why that looks bad but you have these players that you know they go out like you know, like Kareem Hunt and his domestic abuse that he committed. You know, there was some stuff with Tyreek Hill where he possibly committed uh, domestic abuse. You know, obviously the past, the whole Ray Rice incident and everything. So, you know, you have the precedent set in the NFL that domestic abuse is only a six game suspension, which in my mind, that's like a far more severe, like that's an actual crime. You know, even though, yes, obviously this is a bad look for the NFL, you know, with the sports gambling, you know, domestic abuse is a felony. That's a real crime, you know? So, and it's one of those things that these players commit these crimes and they only get a six game suspension as opposed to like a year long suspension or anything. So do you think that now this could be something that could spur a debate where the NFL, you know, increases the suspension time for other offenses? I don't think so. Just because this has nothing. I I think this has nothing to do with it. The when we see domestic violence cases in suspensions, it's usually the the big deal about that is the video. If there's a video that people can see, and if there's if you're if the league has had a lot of issues with that, that's when they're going to take it seriously and potentially do a year suspension or something really really major. Um, an isolated incident without a video, I don't think if let's say there's an accusation or something legally right, like, and there's nothing that happens like 
I think it'd be a slap on the wrist sort of thing. I, I don't see anything changing in that aspect. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing going on, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, innocent until proven guilty. You know, it's like, like, definitely, like, if something comes out and, like, you're convicted and, you know, you commit something pretty bad, then, like, yeah. I mean, well, kind of like with the Ray Rice thing, right? Like, he pretty much got blackballed from the league after the video and the elevator came out and everything. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things, like, like you said, just not just judging based off of an accusation because, you know, obviously it's not looking good for Deshaun Watson, but he's not been officially convicted of anything yet. So it's like, you know, how can you justify suspending him when, you know, legally and, you know, but uh, I, I know what you're saying though. It's like a double standard with some players. Like, and that's where I think honestly, the NFL needs to, I think in my opinion, remove themselves from the whole discipline action and have a third party, you know, someone, a third party, essentially, that delegates suspensions and discipline. And I think that would make a lot of people feel better. Whereas, like, you have a commissioner and you can, and, like, the funny thing is your appeals, if a player decides to appeal a suspension, like, Ridley can appeal it and stuff, it's going to go directly to the person who suspended him. Yeah. So that <laughs> kind, kind of a conflict of interest there. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's, I think in, I think the NFL needs to change how they do suspensions starting with, you know, getting a third party, you know, judge sort of thing to come up with this stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's a really good idea. Cause like you said, you know, it's, it just goes right back to the commissioner. It's like, well, yeah. okay. You know, it's like if you went back and, you know, didn't appeal in court and you got the same judge again, it's like, okay, well clearly they're not going to change their mind. Like this is, yeah, we, you know, this is yeah. exercise in futility here. So, um, so I guess the last question I have, I guess I'll go first on this though, is does Calvin Ridley ever play in the NFL again? And honestly, if I have to say, I think it's going to be a no for me, just because I think, I don't know. I feel like a lot of teams really don't want to, if he really does have, you know, like a gambling problem or really just some sort of mental health problems that he really needs to work on or whatever is going on in his life. You know, I feel like a lot of teams have already seen what kind of went on with the whole Josh Gordon saga and his long strain of suspensions and coming back and then getting suspended again. And it's just like, I feel like teams really just don't want the headache that would be involved with everything that's happening with Calvin Ridley right now. So in my opinion, I'd say that he's not going to play another snap. I don't know if you feel the same or not, Zach. It's that's a tough and a really good question. I think, and I've gone back and forth. I think he will, but I don't think it's going to be a significant thing. I, I, I see him potentially coming back. And like you said, and then something like, I don't see him coming back and being the same Calvin Ridley, I guess what I'm trying to say. I don't think he's going to have, if he does end up coming back, I don't think it's going to be like, Oh my God, Calvin Ridley, top 10 receiver. I think it's going to be like, people are going to be like, Oh yeah. I remember Calvin Ridley, you know, and he'll get a chance on some team. Um, But it's tricky because who knows if he even comes like he's going to have to work his way back. I think he's going to have like with these indefinite suspensions, the NFL does like, you know, you can't just, it's not just a regular suspension where once the time is served, you're back up. Like 
when they say indefinitely, it's pretty much whenever they want you not to be suspended. If they feel like enough time has passed or you have to, you know, have some remorse or whatever, you know, do something yeah. special. <laughs> you know, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Community service. It seems kind of silly to do community service with gambling. That's not. Yeah. A, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm like, that's as that's you were saying that. As you were saying, I'm trying to go through my head. Like, I'm not sure what he would have to show that he changed. Like, that you didn't go on DraftKings for like three weeks or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, go to your internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know though. It's me. I don't know. Maybe he has to like volunteer at like a gambling addiction center or something like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, it it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. But I I do think after a, a year from now we're gonna like this won't even be on anybody's radar if it happens. And, and quite frankly, I don't know how good he'll be. He's been, it's going to be two years pretty much without him playing. And I thought he was a good receiver, but not a great, like elite, you know, all pro receiver. So it's, it's not necessarily, it's not like Antonio Brown level, you know, where it's like, God, this guy's, the top receiver from the 2010 yeah, top receiver future hall of famer possibly yeah. like you know yeah definitely interesting stuff there so we're gonna move on from calvin ridley um uh yeah so i, I definitely agree with you though too like we're, this is probably something that we're gonna forget about a year from now but you know who knows um but so we're gonna move on to what we came here to talk about for the main topic which is the nfl franchise tag deadline is at 4 p.m tomorrow eastern time and there are some teams that have already made some tags announcements, and there's definitely a lot that still have decisions to make. There is also one team that may not decision a tag decision to make, but they do have a big decision when it comes to a certain player on their roster still being there within a couple of weeks or not. Um, but we're going to start with the three teams that do have tagged players locked up. And I guess I'll start with, you know, the team that was in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. They tagged safety Jesse Bates, and in my opinion, I think this was a really crucial move for them to bring Jesse Bates back. You know, he's a good piece to fit. Like, that secondary is still a little bit of a weakness on their team. So if you can bring this, you know, make sure you lock up a player from the secondary, at least for another season so you get him to a long-term deal. I think that was a crucial good move, I think, for the Cincinnati Bengals to do uh, tagging up Jesse Bates. Yeah, I completely agree with you i think he he's a player who would have had a lot of interest from many other teams that need safety help um you know he had a good postseason which helps his contract case so if he had gone to free agency i don't think he would have came back to the bengals i think there would have been another team that would have paid him a lot more money yeah for sure and then the next team we got the the cincinnati both from Ohio, um, the Cleveland Browns, David and Joku. I know you've been the Cleveland Brown guy, so talk to me about David and Joku, uh, Zach. I'll let you go first on him. Okay, this just makes no sense to me. I when I saw this, I I really didn't trust. I I, I trusted it, but I was like, why? Why would they do this? I I don't think in a great tight end. They have a lot of tight ends on their team anyways. It, it it doesn't make sense to me. It's like 10 million or something, 12 or 10 million, something like that. I don't know. I just feel like the player's not worth it at all. And I don't think on the open market he would have seen anything like he's getting. 
Yeah, it seemed like a little bit of a head scratcher. I agree. I was just like, okay, like I don't even think he's even the best tight end on the Bengals at the, or on the Browns. Why do I keep saying Bengals? Uh, <laughs> I got Ohio teams in my head. They both wear orange. They're both from Ohio. I yeah. don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't even think he's the best tight end on the Browns. I mean, they have Austin Hooper on the team still, and I think he's a better tight end than Njoku it, it, is. They made him like the highest paid tight end or something like that. Right. Too. So it's like, okay, you're going to go and pay this tight end all this money. And then all of a sudden you're going to turn around and tag another one who's like a backup at best. I mean, you know, maybe he can go and start for a team who is really in desperate need of a tight end. But I really think the whole Njoku experiment is kind of passed because I do remember there was a time when everyone was kind of talking about him being kind of a breakout tight end could be going places. But it seems like he's just kind of faded into obscurity these past couple of seasons and really isn't worth talking about. So, um yeah, one of those head scratching, especially with all the decisions the Cleveland Browns have to make in the offseason regarding some of their other players. But um, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Um, do you, would you still would you say OJ Howard has more upside than him because he's been around a little bit longer, um, first round pick, but he's been injured a lot and hasn't seen the field. Do you think Howard has more upside than Njoku? It's definitely a hard question. Um, I know. Though I do have a little bit of sourness towards OJ Howard because I picked him to be my tight end in fantasy one year. Uh, it was like a couple seasons ago, and then he got hurt, and I yeah. had no tight end for the rest of the year. But I don't know. It's really like I don't know if I can really get a gauge on OJ Howard just because that you know he's been around a lot of tight end talent in Tampa. Like when you're playing on the same team as Gronk and Cameron Brait, like you know it's really hard to stand out as like, you know, your own thing, which especially with Gronk there, I mean, all the attention is going to be on Gronk 24 yeah. seven. So, um, but you know, I think OJ Howard does have upside. It's just like, if he can stay healthy, I think he really can be good. It's just like, he kind of got pushed to the background because he was hurt. And then the, and then Tampa Bay brought in Gronk. And then of course, Cameron Brait stepped up. So everyone just kind of forgot about him, but I don't think he's bad. I think someone could really get a lot of use out of him if he was used in the correct way. I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen in Tampa if Gronk is Gronk has not officially said whether he's going to retire or not. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with it, but I do I'll go on the side of that OJ Howard has more upside than David Njoku does. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and so but so unlike the Cleveland Browns, I think Kansas moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the last team that had a franchise tag today, I think they were smart as well as like them and the Bengals, I think were the two smart moves. Um tagging Orlando Brown, you know, really trying to shore up that offensive line for Patrick Mahomes, especially after the disaster that was Super Bowl fifty five, um, when the Chiefs had no offensive line. That seemed like a pretty procedural move to me. I don't know what you thought about it, but I, I liked it for Kansas City. Keep that offensive line intact. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, though, it, yeah, it was a procedural move, like you said, but at the same time, still, like, Brown's at the point where, like, you can give him a deal. He's earned, he's proved that he's earned it sort of thing. So it's, like, it's a little risky, I think, from Kansas City's point of view to be, like, Obviously, they have to have him. He knows that. They they traded a first-round pick for him. They, he knows the team needs him. They know they need him. And the scary part, though, is, like, if he ends up – because I don't think he's the best left tackle. I don't know. I wouldn't put him maybe in the top five best left tackles. 
Um, I'd put him outside. Probably not. Probably not like up in that. Up in that like. Yeah, yeah, probably not up in that like Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari sort of column. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a little concerning from the Chiefs' point of view. I guess they have another year to figure this out now, but like eventually he's gonna, you know, want that kind of money, and it's gonna be the the tag is a nice buffer for now. But you know, they if he doesn't end up resigning long term, you know, I. I don't know. I, I think that's a big, big thing that Chiefs have to do. Sign him long term. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it kind of that's a good lead into, you know, so we're going to move on to the teams that haven't tagged players yet that have decisions to make. So what do you think the reasoning is for the Green Bay Packers as to why they have? I mean, obviously, you know, Devontae Adams has pretty much proven he's a top three receiver in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of questions with Aaron Rodgers at the moment and what he's going to do. But in my mind, it's like, why do you think the Packers haven't already tried to pull that long-term deal with Devontae Adams and just give him what he wants? Because it seems like he's earned it over the past couple of seasons. He definitely has. I think there, I think no matter what, te- Adams will get the tag. If Rodgers stays or leaves, I think they're going to tag him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree. I see there. I mean, there's no way they can let him go. That would, yeah. especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves, that would just be catastrophic. And I, I see the, the reasoning, like you, if, if Rodgers leaves, then it's like, okay, you're doing like a rebuild sort of thing. It's like, okay, you know, there's still going to be a good team. People will expect, will have expectations to win the division. But it's the pressure won't be there. And it's one of those things they might want to get younger at and they might just want to save the money, you know, sort of thing. So I can see why long term they haven't given him because if if they were to give him a long term extension now, it would probably be the record setting for wide receivers, which probably (laughs) I think which I think that's okay if Rogers is going to be committed for multiple years, but if Rogers isn't committed for multiple years, you could see Adams in a few years from now and have a very, very high contract and not have a good quarterback with him and not have great production either. So I'd, they have to be careful to not just give him, make him the number one wide receiver, number one highest paid guy. So that's why they're waiting for Rodgers yeah. to make up a decision, in my opinion. And Rodgers needs to just make a decision. That's it, <laughs> it, it comes down to him. Like he's screwing over the Packers if uh, if he's going to end up coming back to them and, and waits so long. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It's like one of those things that the Packers, it seems to me, they can't move forward as an organization without knowing what he's going to do. I mean, you know, it's not like you've got, you know, trying to pick like a not really notable player. Like if like Marquez Valdez Scantling or something was like trying to decide if you wanted to come back or not, you know, the Packers, they could just, you know, forget about it. Like we'll move forward as an organization who cares sort of thing. But like when literally the centerpiece of your team, the back-to-back reigning MVP has not decided on his future. It's like, well, like this is going to be a major like shift in what we we're doing. Cause if he stays like, you're right. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers stays, Adams will most likely become the highest paid receiver in the league. 
you know, they can focus more on like, all right, we're still in win now mode. You know, we can focus on maybe getting some of those extra pieces in free agency. We don't need to worry as much about the draft right now. You know, maybe we can trade some of those draft picks away to get more pieces to help him. But if Rodgers leaves, then, okay, now all of a sudden we got to think about like, all right, you know, is Jordan Love our guy or is he not? Do we need to possibly look and draft a quarterback at some point? Do we, you know, if we don't think we're going to be able to take a decent quarterback, you know, and we want to go into full rebuild mode, do we need to look at trading Devontae Adams after we, you know, franchise tag him? Like, there's a lot of decisions that the Packers could potentially go either way that you're right, they can't make until Rodgers makes his decision, which supposedly he said he's going to make it sometime tomorrow, but... I don't trust anything he says anymore because it just seems like he wants to make everything a gigantic show. And, you know, it's all about he's like he's a main character is what Aaron Rodgers is. He's a main character. Everything has to be about him. So um, I don't know. I love if he came to the Steelers, but you're right. I agree. The Packers can't do anything without him. Um, But another team that kind of has like an interesting situation going on something that i didn't quite expect or at least a lot of analysts probably didn't expect going into this was the tampa bay buccaneers you know there was a lot of talk around who they were going to potentially franchise tag they have a lot of pending free agents that need deals and potentially that they want to keep around there was a lot of buzz going around that they could potentially tag carlton davis um and so this isn't official yet but it sounds like the buccaneers for the second year in a row are going to tag chris godwin and I know, Zach, you talked about that you thought that the Bucks could get him back for a cheaper deal in free agency. And this kind of eliminates that now. If you're going to tag him for the second year in a row, now you're going to be paying him. I don't know what the tag is for a second time tagged receiver, but it's going to be something a lot higher than what you could have potentially gotten him back for. So um, I don't know what your opinion on this situation for them is. Yeah, this is another one where it's not official or anything so we don't know if it'll we don't know 100 percent. but if it is true yeah i i agree i don't think it's a bright thing to do especially with them not knowing who the quarterback's even gonna be like it's kind of like similar to Devonte adams so you know it's it's a good receiver, not as good as Devonte, but still a really good receiver but a major major question of who the quarterback will be and I think at best, at this point, they you know they're not pulling off some miracle to get Aaron Rodgers. So it's like they're they're going to be getting a worse quarterback than what they had before. So it's the second year tag for a receiver seems ridiculous to me. Um, the amount of money that is, I don't know the full dollar amount, but especially with his injury. I mean, that's incredibly risky to to do. I know they like him and they value him a lot, but I mean, he's, come on, you got Mike Evans, you got other, you've got all these other young wide receivers there too. It's, this is the natural thing to do is you have to sometimes let go of some players, um, which they inevitably will. But I just, I pictured Godwin leaving for sure. Uh, a little disappointed the Jaguars won't be getting him. <laughs> yeah no it's it's definitely you know especially when you consider like you said the price tag for that is really high but when you consider that they've got these free agents on defense that they really need to bring back you know Leonard Fournette obviously needs a new contract like you know it almost kind of 
puts that last nail in the coffin that, yeah, really uh, quite a few of these people might be leaving if we're going to go pay Chris Godwin, like, you know, I don't know what it would be, but like 20 million or whatever, probably somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, for a season. It means that, you know, maybe some of these other guys like Leonard Fournette or Levante David or Indomitian Sue or Jason Pierre-Paul or, you know, uh, the list goes on for the Buccaneers and their free agents. But, you know, that a good amount of these people might not be back. Um, I mean, maybe it's it's like they're trying to hold on to something that just isn't going to happen. I mean, Ali Marfit retired, which I know we didn't get to talk about that, but he retired. It's like it's like the Buccaneers can't let go of that, you know, Super Bowl dream. It's like we we think we can still do it, but it's like it's kind of slowly dissipating a little bit and they don't want to let go of it in like unless the only like the only way i could see it working out is if brady comes back mid-season or something like because this hurts their chances in my opinion of getting a decent quarterback not on the team otherwise they're going to be stuck between trask and and gabbard or you know Or a low-end free agent quarterback, like some backup on another team, you know, like, uh, I don't know, pick your... Until Trubisky or... Yeah, Trubisky or, you know, Smith or someone like that, you know, like... Oh, Gino Smith, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it, it hurts their chances to possibly take on a Jimmy G, you know, or someone of that statue that could be available trade so yeah it's yeah it's I, sure. I'm puzzling. yeah definitely a strange move if it does become official but it's not official yet so there's still hope for any you bucks fans out there listening that are also scratching your heads uh it's not official yet but moving on you know so we've got the the miami dolphins are another big team with mike gusecki at the tight end position this to me seems like uh, a no-brainer in my mind that they should tag him. Um, you really need to put weapons around um, around Tua if you're going to keep him around for another season. You know they've got kind of a nice young receiving core, kind of starting to build here with Jalen Waddle and Devonte Parker. But you know, getting a we've seen how valuable a good tight end can be to a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, just look at you know Mark Andrews has really helped Lamar Jackson. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is you know, Patrick Mahomes' favorite target, Gronk and Brady, like having a good tight end can change the world. So do you agree that this one is a no-brainer that they'll tag Gasecki? Yeah, I do. Everything you said is is a reason. And also too, he's gotten better like every year of his career too. Like he's made he's progressed the way you would want. I think he was like a second or third round pick to uh to progress. So it, it's a perfect situation. Uh, for him and the team, I think it, the the tag is always to me though like a little. It's never ideal. I mean, what do you think about the like the tag in general? Do you think there's? Do you think it works out for the team and the player? Like, oh, we're we're gonna tag, but then we're gonna be together for five years. In my opinion, I I just don't know how often that works out. What do you think? Like, it's yeah it's for sure for a year but after that it's it's a little iffy you know yeah i mean even for a year like in my mind i feel like the tag if i was a gm it's kind of like a last resort in my mind usually because i mean obviously i would like it 
all costs to get anyone someone signed to a long-term deal but we know the way that players are these days like they tend to be kind of picky when it comes to their contracts and you know oh like now i want to be the highest paid receiver or now i want to be the highest paid you know running back or whatever is going on with that now i mean further proof that the nfl salary cap is fake when we keep getting these record-setting deals like i know the cap keeps going up every year but like it's it's wild these deals and it just kind of shows that oh yeah i can have a 50 million dollar player but still field a super bowl caliber team like yeah no this cap doesn't it the cap's not real um but just wait till you get to the nba <laughs> uh, well, uh, well just go to the mlb there is no cap um, yeah. literally there's no cap. <laughs> i don't know man maybe i think that'd be interesting uh if every league just for one season they did what the nhl does and have a hard cap like sorry NHL... i can't talk about now. yeah I <laughs> um but yeah i think it'd be interesting if like for every league just for one season if they had a hard cap like the nhl has and just like you know okay there's none of this like oh i'm gonna extend this contract out for this many years and i'm gonna you know do this and do that and somehow i'm a hundred million under the cap but i'm gonna tag this guy like there's gonna be none of that happening like hard cap one season i'd love to see it because honestly it would make the off season potentially a little bit more interesting sometimes um but yeah, back to your question, though, in my mind, the tag is a last resort. I would love to get long term deals done. And but definitely I agree that one year needs to be the max, like, you know, going quickly back to Tampa, like tagging a player two years in a row at that point. I think you just need to let them go like it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not working out. You need to break up. Yeah. Um, so speaking of players that have been tagged once already in their careers, uh, Chandler Jones. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, they're trying to keep everything together, trying to bring, you know, the team that was looking really good. They were the number one team in the league about halfway through the season. Then they started to fall off. Um, you know, there's been all this drama going on with Kyler Murray. The big name that's been swirled around for them is Chandler Jones. But this I don't see is really, um, you know, I think you mentioned it, that since even though he wasn't initially ever tagged as a Cardinal, since he could get tagged again, that would still count as a second tag. And his cap hit would be ridiculous for someone his age. So um, I think it's probably not what's going to happen for the Cardinals. But if they're not going to tag him, what do you think they'll like? Do you think they'd be able to get him back for a reasonable price in free agency? It. it... No, I'm going to say I'm gonna, I, I don't think he gets tagged like you said, but I don't think it would be a reasonable price just because the position um, it's a position that almost every team needs or could use. So GMs are not going to have they're not going to, you know, be questioned if they break the bank for Chandler Jones because of how good he is, whereas like a GM who breaks the bank for, I don't know, like a center or something like, you know, <laughs> so it's a little like riskier to like sign a center with all your cap space than to sign Chandler Jones. So right. it, to me, I, I think he's going to have plenty of suitors and that'll drive up the, the price and the production is key with him. Like, you know, he's a, one of the most productive defensive players out there. So I expect him to get a lot of money if he wants it. Um, he could 
choose the route where he wants to go more to a contender. So maybe if he is thinking he can win in Arizona, he can stay there, but they seem to have some turmoil going on with uh, Kyler Murray and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if Arizona would be the best place for him to go or for him to return to uh, personally, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's he's, especially given at the stage of his career that he's in, it's really going to be, you know, he, he has to decide he wants to go to a contender. You're right. And I mean, Arizona might not be the best place given, especially the division that they play in. You know, the Rams are going to be just as good probably next year because none of these like so-called retirements that we thought were going to happen happened. So, you know, the Rams are going to be at full strength again next year. The Niners, you know, if Trey Lance can, you know, just even slightly do like get at the level of Jimmy G or do a little bit better than the Niners are still going to be dangerous. Um, so it's not an easy team to break out an, e- an easy division to break out of, you know, maybe he'd want to go somewhere like, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would want to go somewhere like Tampa. If he thought that like they could get something better, if they're going to lose like, you know, JPP or someone, or maybe go somewhere in the AFC, like go to a place like Los Angeles or, you know, Las Vegas or someone like that, an up and coming team that really has a chance. Um, so who knows? But speaking of the Los Angeles chargers, Um, The big tag candidate for them is Mike Williams. Now, it's definitely an interesting situation with him as well, because, you know, he's not really in a lot of ways developed into the number one receiver that they thought he was going to develop into. You know, he's definitely a very solid number two, but he is also playing on the same team as Keenan Allen. But that begs the question for L.A., because Keenan Allen is starting to get up there in age. It's likely within the next few seasons he's going to start regressing a little bit. So, you know, if he does get the tag, where do you think the Chargers go from here with Mike Williams? Do you think that he, you know, do they want to get him to a long-term deal? Do they believe in him? Do you think he could be a number one receiver? This is tough. Uh, these <laughs> these ta- these uh, tag your it situations are they're tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think the best place for Mike Williams is the Chargers, ultimately. I don't see him being a true number one like Keenan Allen was. Like, I don't think he's going to take over Keenan Allen's records or anything like that. I highly doubt that. But at the same time, I think if he's not tagged, I think he goes somewhere for a big money, like three-year contract. And I just don't think he's going to live up to it. I, I I like his situation where he's at. Unlike Chandler Jones, like we were talking about other suitors and stuff, like I think for him, the best spots, the Chargers, I think it'd be good for him to lock up long-term deal there. Um, the familiarity with the team and all that. So I think he should stay where he's at. Um, I think the team should try and re-sign him on like a team-friendlier deal you know, maybe a, a little bit more of a discount to stay with some more security in the contract. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that's what I think about Mike Williams. Yeah, definitely an interesting situation because I agree with you. You know, he could easily, if he doesn't get tagged, he could go the way of, you know, there's been plenty of receivers that have tried the same thing. You know, they they make their name as a number two somewhere and, you know, look like they might break out and be a number one and then they go somewhere and get paid like a number one and then just completely bust. So um, I definitely could see that happening in Mike Williams future. If he doesn't go back to the chargers. Um, Then we have a couple defensive guys here with the Tennessee Titans and the new England Patriots. I'll kind of just group them together. Yeah. Um, 
so with the Titans, we have Harold Landry, a great young linebacker. Um, and then same for the Patriots with a young player, J.C. Jackson, a good young cornerback uh, for the um, New England Patriots. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Um, but two guys that, you know, two di- very different defensive situations here, in my opinion. You know, obviously New England has a fantastic defense. Um I don't think, I mean, I think they should tag him. I think they should try to find a way to bring him back. Um, But it's definitely a situation where I don't think they would necessarily feel the loss of J.C. Jackson as hard as the Titans would if they were to lose Harold Landry. So, because I have heard this is more unofficial news, that it seems like the Patriots will not tag J.C. Jackson. And... In my opinion, it wouldn't be as big of a loss as, like, for, say, I think the Titans need to do whatever they can to hold on to Harold Landry. I think he's a really good talent for them, and it's a defense that's sorely in need of playmakers. Um, So do you think that's kind of the situation, Zach, like um, it would be more hurtful for the uh, Titans than it would be for the Patriots to lose their guy? I I agree with that. Uh, Both – if both make it to free agency – I think neither stay on the team. They they would both be paid more somewhere else. So this is where the tag does kind of save you a little bit of money. But yeah, Landry's for sure more important, I think. I think Jackson might be the better player, but as far as impact, I mean, Landry, he just had a breakout year. It, I guess that is the difference between the two is Jackson has been more consistent, whereas Landry's you know, had more of a breakout sort of season. So I could see the argument for Jackson because he's, you know, had the most interceptions or whatever in the past three or four years. But yeah, I I would still pick Landry. I just think for the Titans, he's more valuable. Yeah, definitely they need to do whatever they can to shore up that defense. Now the last team we have here that is uh, a tag candidate team that is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so the two main candidates that have been floating around for the Jaguars, DJ Chark and Cam Robinson. So Zach, what do you think, what direction do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars should go with these two players and if they should use their tag or if they should not use it? Yeah, this is, um, this is a good question for me. I, if, if I'm Trent Balky here, I would say first, resign and then second <laughs> i was wondering where you were gonna go with I, like something yeah, like that yeah. in my head like you know just go away and hire someone new yeah, yeah. i would hire a replacement um for myself but no, no no for real i wouldn't i wouldn't tag either of them for robinson it would be his second tag so you would get into very very elite tackle money Chark um, would be his first tag, so it would be just like a regular receiver amount. But I just don't think either – I'll say this too. Both are highly injury-prone. Chark missed almost all of the last year. He's consistently been injured uh, throughout his career. Same with Robinson was actually healthy most of the last year, but like every other year he missed major amounts of time. And it just never really worked out. I mean, he had his most consistent season last year, which is why I think he's ultimately going to be going. Is I think there's going to be another team that pays him too much. I think because that 
position is so demanding, so many teams need tackles. I think a team is going to pay him a lot of money. Um, but I just don't think he's that good. And there's other options out there. I, I think they really need to upgrade from him, whether in the draft or free agency with somebody else. I think you can upgrade from him. Chark, I wouldn't tag also, not only because of the injuries, but also it's just he's just not that good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's deserving of a tag like these other receivers are. I think what they should do is try and bring him back, but for less than the tag amount. And if they don't, that's okay. There's plenty of other receivers, and they they need to draft some receivers as well. So the receiver group will change for sure. Uh, but Chark, you know, not a high priority in my opinion. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, Chark's gone. Whereas <laughs> – a couple of years ago, I might have been, you know, saying to extend Chark, extend Chark. Now I'm just like, all right, if he walks, he walks. But I I would be, if they had to do one, I would want him to do Chark just because I think Robinson's time is up. I really do. But um, we shall see. I, I don't think either end up getting tagged, by the way. Yeah. I mean, the Jaguars are definitely in an enviable position. I mean, you know it's definitely a different situation from last year because they were in the enviable spot because they got the quarterback they wanted Trevor Lawrence, but they're in a different enviable situation this year where it's like, really, you know, you could go with whatever you want. It's like, if you want to go with one of the really high tackles at that first spot, you can, if you want to go with a really good defensive player at that top spot, you can like, they have a lot of options at the first pick. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do. It's not a foregone conclusion like it was last year where it was like, oh, okay, well, obviously, except for some of these, you know, other San Francisco 49ers podcasters, it was obvious to everyone except them that Trevor Lawrence was going number one last year. So, um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do this year. You know, if they want to go with like Aiden Hutchinson or, you know, um, Thibault or an offensive lineman or whatever. But definitely, I, I, I agree with you, though, that it would be the right move to just not tag either of them. You know, there's really no point, especially not Cam Robinson, since it would be a second time tag. Like, that just seems like a waste of money in my mind. And if I was him, if, if I was him and the Jaguars were like, we're tagging you again, I would like, I would put, pen, I'd be like, where's my pen? I'm signing that right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's kind of like when uh, Nicholas but Nicholas Bum had his player option in Charlotte when they were like, oh, do you want this twenty seven million dollar player option or not? Like, um, can I sign now? Like, okay. do I have to wait? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so the last team that I want to mention here, nothing to do with the franchise tag, but a major kind of storyline going on with the Cowboys. You know, we talked about uh, probably during the wild, uh, the, the wild card recap about the Cowboys, how they have a lot of their cap concentrated in quite a few players. You know, you've got Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper. Those four are eating up a large, large chunk of their cap. <clears throat> the Cowboys are in a really bad cap situation, and it's sounding like the Cowboys are ready to move on from Amari Cooper. They are listening for trade offers, but there has been a lot of rumors going around that even if they don't get a trade offer for him, they are going to release Amari Cooper. And in my opinion, I think that's a good move for them. I mean, you know, they have C.D. Lamb and he's a really good young breakout talent. If Michael Gallup can come back and be healthy from his injury, I think he's a good talent. He just has been kind of overshadowed, especially last year when, you know, you had the duo of Cooper and C.D. Lamb. I think Amari Cooper 
he can probably go and get paid just around that same amount somewhere else. And it saves the Cowboys a lot of money and gives them more room to do other stuff like keep building up that defense, you know, possibly shore up the offense. You know, they've been talking about getting a, a little bit of a rebuild going on with their offensive line, you know, get some new offensive linemen in there. Um, but I think Amari Cooper is an important first step for them in getting out of this hole. I don't know what you think about the situation, Zach. Yeah, it's an inevitable situation. I, I think they're doing it right as well. They they pretty much publicly said, like, he's up for auction, you know, like, you know, give us your best offer or he's going to be cut. Um, I don't – I think ultimately he will get traded. I think probably, like, a fourth or fifth round pick might get it done. Um, it, and I, I do think it's far. They have to get under the cap. And they're – there's they have well they have wealth of that position so it's it's a position that they can afford to give up and honestly like cooper wasn't even he was good for him but he wasn't you know like the most important number one guy that like some teams like a cooper cup you know he's not like that sort of role for them so um it's unfortunate for them, but that's the reality, the reality of the NFL with, you know, the cap circumstances, you can't hold on to these players forever. So uh, they paid him a lot of money at the time. And now they realize that that was too much. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll start to realize that they gave too much money to Ezekiel Elliott too. Cause you oh. know, <laughs> <laughs> seems like maybe they're starting to get into that mode that, you know, they paid these guys way too much, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. It was good to talk about all these. It'll be interesting to see uh, if we're right about some of these tag picks and where each team's going to go. You know, Zach probably won't be happy if he wakes up and finds out that the Jags have tagged Cam Robinson. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty bad, but it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, but again, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sports. Subscribe on YouTube. Clutch Crew Sports is the YouTube channel. Drop any comments or questions you have down below on Twitter or on YouTube. We'd be happy to answer for the, you for them in a future episode. And as always, guys, be clutch. Bye. For Eric, peace.